Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much. And welcome to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is with us courtesy of FaceTime. She's executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Carol served as the past chair of the board of directors of the National Council on Aging, member of the RAISE Family Caregiving Advisory Council under the Federal Department of Health and Human Services, and we ought to get her to talk about that on one of these programs coming up. She's got a master's degree in social gerontology with over 25 years' experience in the field of aging and caregiving and is one of Next Avenue's top 50 influencers on aging, and it is always a pleasure to talk with her on the radio. So, Carol, we ought to talk about Ray's family at some point. Well, we should. Um, What I'd like caregivers to know is that there is a federal committee that is currently looking at all of the various government departments, seeing how many departments serve family caregivers, um, what are the resources already available, identifying the gaps, and developing a plan for the federal government to respond to the needs of caregivers. Well, someone who knows a whole lot about being a caregiver is joining us on our Caregiver SOS on Air hotline. Dr. Manasi Keegan is a primary care physician, a medical director at Wellmet, and for a period of time was a caregiver for her mom. And we're going to find out how that may have changed her view on caregiving as a doctor. Dr. Keegan, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for having me on your radio show. Uh, how, how much of a difference did it make for you uh, when you began caring for your mom? And tell us about that, please. Sure. Um, it, it made a lot of difference. So um, in December 2019, my sister called and said, you know, mom has been moved again to the ICU. Her condition is getting worse and she wants to see you. Now, my mom is a retired gynecologist and a very sharp, mentally strong, fiercely independent woman uh, just a few weeks ago. And now she was in the ICU, confused, and she was dependent on others. And for her to call me home meant like she felt like her end was near. And um, being a doctor, she understood the prognosis, so that didn't help either. But thankfully, um, because of the support that I received from my family, friends, and colleagues, I was able to go to India. And we are grateful that she pulled through that episode. She was um, being treated for coronary artery disease and Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, So she pulled through that. But the 14 days that I worked as her caregiver um, really changed my view about caregivers and you know, reminded me of um, how integral uh, their role is in our healthcare system and medical management of our patients, and how we need to be aware of caregivers' needs and provide them with um, educational and emotional support. What was it that really caught your attention? So, um, you know, it wasn't like I didn't know about caregiving. Um, I'd seen caregivers in my family. You know, the younger generation always took care of the elders. Many of my patients had been caregivers or received help themselves. So I knew the theory of caregiving. But this time it was more of a hands-on experience, and that too for a patient who had just come out of critical illness. So earlier, you know, if my patient's caregivers assisted them with their medications and doctor's appointments, 
and activities of daily living. I really appreciated them. But I found out that it was more than this. You know, caregiving, I realized, was more than just helping with activities of daily living and administering medications. In fact, this was the easiest part of caregiving. The most challenging part was making sure that you take care of your mental and physical health while providing psychological and physical support to the patient. So you need to have it to give it. And I think that's what really changed uh, my perspective about caregiving. Well, I, I, Dr. Kikan, I love what you just said about um, if you don't have it, you can't give it. Uh, and so many right. caregivers don't realize that they've got this emotional bank account um, and that they're mm-hmm. drawing from it uh, every time that they're providing that support and not realizing they haven't left anything mm-hmm. in the bank for themselves. And that's where, you know, mm-hmm. we get caregiver burnout and it's such a dangerous situation or it's an un- unsustainable situation, mm-hmm. whereas you'll invest in yourself, um, you're going to get mm-hmm. a good return on that investment. So you'll have something for the for the person you're caring for. How that's tough. so correct, Carol. How tough is that job as a caregiver from your perspective? How tough it is? Yes, how tough is, is that job? It is a very tough job. <laughs> that's because, what I thought you'd you say. Know, the, the process is very complicated, and there are a lot of moving parts. So even if you want to remember certain things, at least in my uh, experience, you cannot remember it because there are so many things going on at the same time. And that's why um, you know I sent you an email about the body, heart, and mind model. Right. So that was the most simplistic model that I thought really helped me because it was an easy way of remembering what we need to pay attention to during the caregiving process. It's interesting. I'm not trying to compare humans and dogs, but I have a, a wonderful mm-hmm. little German shepherd who's come down with uh, not life-threatening, but an illness. And so I'm Lucy's caregiver. Yeah. And to the life of me, I can't keep track of when does she get this pill? When does she get this pill? When mm-hmm. do I feed her? When does she get this paste? When does she get another pill? It drives me crazy, and I want to keep it straight for her. Imagine if she were a human. Right. And and, you know, I, I am a physician, internal medicine physician. I care for patients. I know the theory about things. So it should be easier for me, right? But, but it wasn't because I had to remember uh, the body, heart, and mind needs of my mom and the body, heart, and mind needs uh, for myself. Uh, because, again, like Carol mentioned, you really can't pour from an empty cup, right? That's, that's what they say. And this is so important during the caregiving process. And for those who are listening, uh, Dr. Kakan, uh, go a little further into body, mind, heart. Sure. So uh, there are two components to this. It's the uh, body, heart, and mind needs for uh, the patient and the body, heart, and mi- heart, mind needs, excuse me, for the caregivers. So for the patients, you know, with the body, we often address the medications and physical needs of the patients with the caregivers. Uh, but we also need to include the mind, uh, which is the faculty of consciousness and thought, that's how it's defined, uh, which would include depression and delirium and the heart. So I'm using this for the emotions, the state of mind that one derives from the circumstances and moods. This is uh, the dictionary definition. But we need to start including these discussions uh, while we are counseling the caregivers on what to look out for and how to manage it uh, for the patient. And the second component is the body, heart, and mind needs for the caregivers. Again, the same thing. The caregivers need to make sure they pay attention to their own health and make time for it. They should also pay attention to their mind, the so practice meditation or breathing, and heart, 
do things that give them joy and improve their mood to recharge themselves. And does that come in conflict with the patient? Um, it may. And, you know, very often what we've seen is caregivers, um, and it's, it depends, right? There are caregivers that are short-term caregivers, like I was, and extended uh, caregivers, like uh, what my sister's doing for my parents at this time. Um, so the needs are very different. And during the caregiving process, I realized that um, I was not getting adequate sleep because I would have to help with my mom's toileting needs at night. I would forget to eat nutritious food myself, just grab a snack, you know, while making sure that she gets nutritious food. So it is very important to remember uh, to take care of yourself, but it doesn't come very easy. And getting caregivers to ask for help is very tough. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Why? Absolutely. Why is it so tough? Why is it tough? Um, you know, everyone. You know, you know help! I'm drowning and... here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm saying uh, from the caregiver standpoint, very often they feel like they're drowning. They're being overwhelmed. And, yeah. But to take the next step, which is help, mm -hmm. that's real tough. Right. Right. It is. It is very tough because everyone's focused on the patient. So, um, you know, healthcare professionals, clinicians, everyone's focusing on the patient. Um, the caregivers have to, of course, focus on the patient. And so just remembering things that you need to remember becomes a challenge. And, you know, when, when all of that is going on, you just forget to ask for help. And, to, and when you realize, I think it, it is too late by then. Absolutely. And that's that's where we, we never want to be have our caregivers in a situation where it's too late. And it and it so often mm -hmm. is, um, you know, it's almost like when the, the patient's coming to you right now. Right. We, we You're wanting all mm -hmm. your patients to come in and see you mm -hmm. for their checkups to to maintain themselves and not wait till their health gets much worse. We want our caregivers to ask for help while they mm -hmm. um, are still in a good position so they can plan ahead, mm -hmm. make a plan to be successful, get the help they need, mm -hmm. and not wait until it looks like, um, you know, I need to put my loved one in a nursing home. That is correct, Carol. And, um, you know, often some of the caregivers, um, this is a new experience for them. And so they don't know uh, what to, you know, when to ask for help and what kind of help they can get. So I think it's up to us. Uh, clinicians and healthcare professionals to ask the caregivers, you know, how are you doing? What stresses are you going through? Do you need any help? And, um, you know, before we point out to the patient that you're not following your medical plan, you're not being adherent, uh, we should ask the caregiver, you know, what, what do you think the cause may be? What is it that we can help you with so you can help your patient? And so well, I know we that... just need to be more aware of that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can remember a caregiver who was asked, how are you doing? And the caregiver mm -hmm. burst into tears. It was someone else that asked mm -hmm. that question. She said, no one has ever asked me how I'm doing. They only ask me about my husband. Mm -hmm. And so just asking the caregiver that question, especially as a physician, you know, can be mm -hmm. just a, a game changer for a caregiver. Absolutely. And, you know, we recently had an experience where uh, one of the patients was brought in and her partner was caring for her. And I... I asked him, you know, how are you doing? 
And he told me, well, after this appointment, I have my cardiologist appointment because I have two stents and I have to make sure I, uh, you know, I'm able to take care of myself as well. So we were able to get the social worker involved. And we realized that there were more problems that, that, than, you know, what we knew about. And so we were able to actually help uh, both the patient and her partner. And that made a difference for both, right? Absolutely. All right, Absolutely. stay with us. And then- I'm going to say we're going to come right back to you. Don't go anywhere. I didn't mean to step on you. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air with our very special guest, Manasi Keegan, who is a primary care physician and medical director at WellMed. And Carol Zerniel, our co-host, this is Caregiver SOS on air. Calling all caregivers. Do you drive a friend or relative to a doctor's appointment? Make sure they take their medication or help them manage their finance. If so, you are a caregiver, and the WellMed Charitable Foundation invites you to its first-ever online San Antonio Caregiving Summit. This year's theme, Caregiving, Accepting the Challenge. In light of the COVID-19 pandemic and to reach a wider audience, the WCF is presenting this free event online through a Zoom session. English Summit will be 9 a.m. to noon, Friday, November 13th, Spanish Summit, 10 to noon, Friday, November 20th. Speakers include Dr. Arthur Kleinman, author of Soul of Care, The Moral Education of a Husband and a Doctor. Lucy Berlack, MSW, social gerontologist, a consultant and caregiving expert. The Spanish session features Nestor Prudario. All of this and more comes to you with the Summit and the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Register at caregiversos.org. Hello. Bringing you the sounds of the 80s right here on Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zernhill, our co-host, is with us. And we're talking on our with uh, Dr. Keegan, who is a primary care physician, medical director at WellMed. And uh, Dr. Keegan, Carol's got a, a suggestion, a comment, a question for you. Well, um, I'm oh. just curious, as a, as a physician, um, did mm-hmm. your recent experience with your mother, has that changed the way you practice as a physician? Did it change the way you look at things as a physician? Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it definitely has. And like I mentioned, I think uh, the newfound realization and awareness of the caregiver's role um, has made me realize that we need to include the caregiver in discussions that we have with our patients, especially those patients that have delirium, dementia, those that are transitioning from other facilities and, uh, you know, patients that are towards the end of life. So that's one thing. The other thing is just being aware of caregiver stress and asking the questions, you know, how are you doing? So I think I've started including both of those uh, in my practice. Well, and and what would you say to to another physician who says, I don't have time? Um, I, you know, I, I know at WellMed, we make lots of time for all of our patients, but let's, so, uh, so mm-hmm. it's another physician from someplace else who says, you know, that it's too much time to talk to the family members. I really don't have time. I well, don't need them in the exam room. Yeah. Or, and, and we've all been in situations as caregivers where they, we, we weren't mm-hmm. really wanted or we asked too many questions. Um, what would you say mm-hmm. to that physician, um, about how, um, you know, they might think about a, a caregiver involvement? Sure. So, um, you know, during the visit, if we ask the caregiver how they're doing, yes, it is going to take, you know, some of the time. 
but think about how that's going to help uh, patients in the future. Um, caregivers are very important in making sure that the patients receive the medications, uh, take the medications, adhere to the medical plan, and take care of themselves. So you're actually, um, you know, by including the caregiver and asking them these questions, keeping them informed about what's going on, will help prevent a lot of errors, medical errors, um, and, um, you know, help the patient in and the long run. they often get involved in uh, delivering what not too many years ago was services provided mm-hmm. only by healthcare providers. I'm thinking of wound care, mm-hmm. for example, where many mm-hmm. caregivers get uh, deeply involved. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, when we're talking about caregivers, everyone's only thinking about the families, but this could be family members, um, you know, daughters, wives, husbands. It could be paid caregivers or even friends and neighbors. So we do need their support in managing our patients better. So I think, you know, um, spending that that time with the caregivers uh, pays off in the long run. It's interesting, Carol, uh uh, occasionally we'll talk about it, and, and I'll talk about my own experience. Uh, in, in care for her mother, she and uh, one of the providers used to go literally toe-to-toe in, in very <laughs> heated discussions. I had a situation mm-hmm. where uh wife was in the hospital, and uh, the hospitalist at the time uh, never approached the bed, never even touched the patient, stood in the doorway, did, uh, I think, enough to get billing for that, and then left, and I cornered him in the hallway at one point. I said, you know, uh, your patient, who are you talking about? And I explained who I was talking about. I said, she has no idea what you said. You speak too fast, you never follow up, you never ask for questions, and you're gone. Now, did he say thank you? I I, I so much appreciate that comment. The answer is, of course not. And in Carol's case, I'm surprised you didn't wear boxing gloves when you went to the hospital. You sound you sound make me sound very pugnacious. Um, you know, it, it, but you're not, not normally. No, not normally. You know, I think that um, there there are times. You know, we all wish we had uh, Doctor Gacan as our physician, right. who in, in appreciates caregivers. But we do have situations where, particularly when someone has dementia. Um, and there's not a cure. There's nothing, you know, the, the remedy is someplace else. Where in my case, we had, I had a physician who accused us of taking up space in his emergency room because my mother, who had dementia, couldn't tell him why she was in such pain. And he couldn't figure it out. Um, and he said, just send her back, you know, send her back to her assisted living. I don't know what, you know, she's taking up space. Wow. So that's probably not what a family member wants to hear about no. their loved one. And you, you look up empathy in the dictionary. His picture is not there. No, not there. Well, Doctor, can can we teach the kind of responses you're talking about? Can we teach physicians and other healthcare providers uh, to have that empathy and understanding and support for caregivers? Absolutely. You and, know, empathy. Um, we've. I've been reading a couple of articles, and uh, I know there are lots of books written by smarter people and that empathy can be taught. And so, yes, definitely we can work on it. Now, I just wanted to comment on what you mentioned earlier because, you know, that that is my tribe. So, uh, unfortunately, I, you know, I cannot, cannot say that those kinds of um, interactions and episodes don't happen. They do happen. But the good news is that empathy, kindness, and compassion is making a comeback. I think, you know, people have started talking about uh, empathy, 
learning about empathy, practicing empathy, and just stepping in a patient's and caregiver's shoes, you know, feeling their feelings and acting on it. So it's coming back, and I am hopeful. Well, and I, I agree with you, and I, you know, obviously um, the those incidents um, are are few and far between, you know, as a general rule, uh, because it is a it's a caring profession. And I would say, you know, the next question I was ask you is, you know, what can what would you recommend from your point of view to to help a caregiver? You know, what what sh- what would make that physician visit go better for you um, and be a better team player? So. Um... You know, again, just increasing awareness and education um, about the caregiver stress. That would be the first step is um, educate all, you know, healthcare professionals, clinicians, um, make them aware that there is such a thing as caregiver stress and just ask them a simple question. You know, how are you doing? What, what can we do to help you? Well, what would you tell the caregiver? Is there something if I walk in with my loved mm-hmm. one uh, into the into the clinic mm-hmm. you know would there something mm-hmm. that would they would you have a wish list that you could give me uh, that when I arrive mm-hmm. with my family member that I would have with me how can um, I make your office visit go from, better from the caregiver standpoint so I don't know that I would ask you to bring something what I would do is ask you or remind you to keep this body heart and mind in mind you know, just remember this. We don't want to make this more complicated than it already is. So, uh, you know, just, just letting the caregiver know, you know, make sure you're taking care of your body and your emotions and your mental status. So I think those would be the important things that I would keep reminding the caregiver about. I think part of what Carol is also asking, is there a playbook mm-hmm. that can make that interchange uh, more productive? ways in which as a caregiver we can solicit the involvement and support uh, of Mm -hmm. that physician. So I am not aware of a playbook for caregivers, but what I am aware of is, um, you know, the the patient booklets that we can provide to the patient, something that is written in uh, simple and plain English about um, the medical plan for the patient. I think that would help the caregiver so they can refer to it. Uh, if they feel like they've forgotten something. And I think that would take away some stress from the caregiver as well. In addition to that, you know, just, just letting the caregiver know that we do have resources and uh, point them towards resources or perhaps connect them with our organization. You know, that, that would be great. We are doing a lot of things. I think you're doing some great stuff with uh, caregiver resources and educating them, and we have a helpline. So I think that would be important as well. Well, I, you know, I agree. We we do have some um, recommendations for for some caregivers uh, materials. The United Hospital Fund out of New York has a wonderful guides, and I would I would encourage anybody to go to the United Hospital Fund and check out their guides for having a better interaction with a physician, um, a better planning if you're going to have to have a loved one be in the hospital, be discharged from the hospital. There are resources, um, and physician time is valuable. And so it's a good, it's a good way to get the information you need to, to get the best outcomes anytime you're involving medical care. Great. Thank you for sharing, Carol. Um, I will take a, um, take a look at that myself. You know, one of the things that also provides an opportunity for everybody to play well in the sandbox is that discharge discussion where it's time for mm-hmm. mom or dad or so-and-so to go home. Uh, and instead of trying to rush everybody out of there, and I'm as guilty as anybody, hey, look, I'll look at this later, 
make sure there's a time to focus on and talk about what need, what's needed uh, in the way of follow-up and treatment to avoid a, a readmittance to the hospital. That is correct. I think the discharge process needs to be started, or those discussions need to be started, you know, a couple of days before the discharge happens, not on the day off or right, um, you know, um, the day prior. I think these discussions need to be ongoing discussions, and um, it needs to be an interdisciplinary team that uh, manages the discharge. So in, involve the care, uh, case managers, the physicians, the social workers, um, home health, you know, so so you can make sure that both the patient and the caregivers are supported. We've got less than a minute left, Dr. Keegan. Is there something we haven't asked you you want to throw into the mix? Um, I, I would just, you know, like to end with a quote from Maya Angelou. Uh, Angelou I'm sorry. Uh, if you find it in your heart to care for somebody else, you will have succeeded. So I think, you know, we just need to keep this in mind. Um, and again, just, just make sure we not just care for our patients, but also their caregivers. With hey, that, thanks. I'd like to thank you and WellMed for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Carol? Well, I just wanted to say thank you for being on the show. And after listening, you can tell why Dr. Kikan is one of our medical directors, one of our physician leaders uh, within <laughs> WellMed. And a delight to talk with. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Carol. You take care. And keep me on the mail list for the things you're writing. I love reading them. Absolutely. Thank you. And you won't get an angry email back from me. <laughs> take care. Thank you for that, too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Dr. Keekan, for bye. Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We will talk with you again soon. We're right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.